In the early morning hours of January 14, 2018, a home security camera in Paris, California captured the escape of 17-year-old Jordan Turpin from what appeared to be a standard suburban residence. What no one knew was how this brave girl's decision would unveil secrets that would shock the nation. I'm Chelsea May, and this is Exhibit May. Nestled 70 miles east of Los Angeles in Paris, California, sat a typical suburban home at 160 Muir Woods Road. The single-story home with an orange-tan hue was built in 2013, spanning 2,388 square feet and featuring four bedrooms and three bathrooms. David Turpin, aged 57, and his wife Louise, aged 50, resided in this residence with their 13 children, 10 daughters, and three sons. The couple had been together for 34 years and followed Pentecostal Christian beliefs, and in line with their faith, they had numerous children, believing it was God's calling. But despite their deep religious convictions, the couple experimented with swinging. David hailed from a highly respected and influential family in their hometown. He was a former computer engineer who graduated from Virginia Tech while Louise was a homemaker. The family wasn't seen in public frequently, but images of them surfaced online throughout the years. One in particular featured the family visiting Disneyland with all the siblings dressed in matching Disney t-shirts. According to family members, including Louise's aunt, she commented that they appeared to be one big happy family. At least, that's how it seemed in photos. At 5.49 a.m. on January 14, 2018, a residential security camera on Muir Woods Road recorded what appeared to be a young girl sneaking out of her residence. The slender child stumbled along the driveway, gradually gaining pace as she reached the sidewalk and vanished from sight. This was 17-year-old Jordan Turpin executing her escape, a plan she had been carefully preparing for over two years. Moments later, another individual emerged on the security footage from the residence, swiftly moving down the opposite end of the street and out of the camera's view. Not long after, the figure was shown rushing back into the home. This was Jordan's 13-year-old sister who had been part of the escape plan but became too frightened and retraced her steps back into the house. At the same time, Jordan stopped under a stop sign at the corner down the block and with shaking hands nervously dialed 911. 911 emergency, what are you reporting? Um, I just ran away from home. Okay, do you know where you are? Um, I'm actually in California, Paris. Do you know what street you're on? Um, no. Uh, Do you see any signs or anything, like any street signs? No, I, no, I don't. Realizing it was a matter for the sheriff's department, the operator asked the young girl to wait as she transferred the call. As Jordan waited anxiously, she breathed heavily, fearing her parents would find her a situation that would lead to terrible consequences. It's BHB with out. the transfer. She's not sure where she's at. She says that she's in Paris and she ran away from home. Okay. Hello? 
Hello? Oh, yes, I'm still here. What's your name? Jordan Thompson. The operator requested Jordan to spell her last name, and despite attempting twice, she misspelled it both times. T-U-R-T-E-N. Do you need my address? Yeah, what's your address? Okay, you got give me a minute. This is going to take a while. I live in, okay, this is my address, 9257. Case, did you get that? Case, is it C-A-S-E? Okay, sorry, I'm going to start over. My address is 9257055574. Did you get it? Okay, so now you just gave me a whole bunch of numbers. You didn't give me any kind of street name there. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Um. Okay, so you're just around the corner from your house, is that right? Yeah, I think. I'm not sure. I've never been out. I don't go out much, so I don't know anything about the streets or anything. Having been shielded from the outside world, it became apparent when Jordan admitted that she wasn't acquainted with even the most basic health-related terminology. Does anybody at the house take any kind of medication? Oh, I don't know what medication is. Any medicines? Uh, when we have a cold, sometimes we take robotacin. Uh, I don't know, we don't take medicine much when we're sick. We live in still. And sometimes I wake up and I can't breathe because how dirty the house is. We never take baths. When was the last time you had a bath? Uh, uh, I don't know, almost a year ago. Why did you leave your house? What? Why did you leave your house? My two little sisters right now are chained up. Where are they chained up at? On their bed. Then there are 15 kids? There's 13 kids and then a mother and father. Before diving into the main issue, the operator asked Jordan a few additional questions regarding her location. Are you in a corner right now? I'm, I might be. Are you at, is there a street sign? Is there a pole with two names at the top? I just see, I just see a stop sign. Okay, can you go over and stand right at that stop sign? Yes. Shortly after, at 6.11 a.m., Deputy Anthony Kalachi, concluding a lengthy graveyard shift, parked at the curb, stepped out of the vehicle, and greeted a small, frail girl standing alone in the dark. Hi, Jordan. Hi, what's going on? Okay. I just ran away from home. Okay. And I live in a family of 15. Okay. Thank you so much. There's a mother and father, and then there's 13 kids. Uh-huh. And... How old are the kids? Okay, some of them are, like, okay, my older sister's 29, the youngest is two. And they all live in the house? Yes. Even your 29-year-old sister? Yes. Oh, yeah, I, they're kind of scared to ask to move out because of their mother. Some of them have asked for a job before, and she acts like that's crazy and it would never happen. But, um... My two little sisters right now chained up. How old are they? 11 and 14. They're chained up because they stole mother's food. Uh-huh. But, okay, yeah. And do you want to know why they stole mother's food? Why? Okay. All we ever eat, for like probably like two straight years or three or more, but we always eat the same things. But sometimes we do eat. I'm sorry if I talk too much. Okay. I've never talked to anybody out there, so I don't, I, I've never been alone with the person, so this is very hard for me to talk. 
Despite Jordan's apprehension, she persisted in sharing as much information as possible, although she visibly struggled to articulate it. Did you go to school? No, I've, I haven't finished first grade. Uh, uh, I've never, uh, we don't even go in the backyard. But the reason I called and the reason I managed to get out here, this is one of the most scariest things I've ever done. Uh -huh. I'm terrified. But I called because my two little sisters, they're chained up right now. Mm -hmm. And they... Do you, have, do you have pictures of that? Yes, I can show you. I actually didn't have it. And then one of my sisters told me I need to get pictures. So see, here you can look at them. And see how dirty she is? We're so filthy. We, we, we don't take baths. We don't. <clears throat> Is this a, is there a cell phone number? No, that's To it. this? Oh, uh, no. Can I look at, do you have any other okay. photos? You, you might be able to see it. Yes, those are just photos of me. I have pictures and videos, but they're on my camera and I, I have to, that would take forever. What if I went to your parents' house right now? What would they tell me? Oh, uh, I'd be terrified. If you went to my parents' house, they couldn't see me. Um. How did your sisters get like this? Okay. Your parents yeah, chained them up? Yes. Like because they stole food. Okay. But they stole it because they were hungry. <clears throat> you make sure to save these, okay? Okay, I will. Don't get rid of those. I will. At that moment, the deputy had heard enough and radioed for backup. He then escorted Jordan to the police car to be driven to the family home, but reassured her that she didn't have to see her parents. Can you do me a favor, take a seat in the back of my car? Yes. We're gonna go around the corner, okay? On the way to the house, Deputy Kalachi asked Jordan a few more questions. Do you have any injuries? What's injuries? <clears throat> Are you hurt? Oh, no, not right now. Okay. Are your parents sleeping? No, they're, oh, I think they're up. They probably noticed me missing. Have you ever tried to escape before? Yes, I have. And what happens when you try to? Um, my parents never tried to, my parents never caught me. Has anybody ever been to your house before? To check on your welfare? Um, like have, family? Like, have any of your other siblings called the cops? No. Some of them have wanted to, but they're too terrified. So when you left right now, you left out the window? Yes. Have the police ever got involved with this? No. Well, why don't you guys just leave the house? Because we're terrified. We, we don't really have a way. Everyone's always looking. There's always somebody. The time was now 7 a.m. and the sun had begun to rise on this chilly January morning. Upon reaching the house, the other officers arrived at the scene and Deputy Kalachi stepped out to guide them. As they reached the front door, they knocked loudly for a couple of minutes until a concerned David and Louise finally answered the door. Hi. Hi, sorry to bug you. How are you guys doing? Good. We got a call um, for a check the welfare here at your house. So, for, for what? Uh, check the welfare. So, just basically check on everybody, make sure everybody's okay. Yeah, all... bye. Do you guys have kids in the house? Yes. Okay, do you mind if we come in and just take a look, make sure everybody's safe and everything's okay? Okay, what kind of call did you get? Well, we got a call that there was a young female walking around saying that she came from a house over here. We were able to find out that this was a house. We just wanted to check and make sure everybody was okay. They hit she came from here? That's what she said. From inside this house? I think so. Okay. Otherwise, we wouldn't be knocking on your did door a Sunday. Did she say her name? Um, I don't know. Did she say her name? I, I don't know offhand, but we, we need to check. We just need to check and make sure everybody's okay. 
Recognizing the urgency of the circumstances, the officers prepared for an unauthorized search of the premises. Once we get in, make sure everything's okay. We'll, we'll get well, out of here. We now. have a lot where we're packing. Okay, we're getting okay, ready fine, to move. No worries. So it's a mess in here. So. All right, that's, that's <laughs> We don't mind messes. We've been in worse. I mean, How you doing, sir? Okay. Well, yeah. we, were, we were just in bed. I mean, like. Okay. So most people are right now, so we, we expect you guys to be in bed. Okay. And, yeah. No weapons in the house or anything like that. No. I do have. Uh, I do. I do have a gun that's locked. It's locked okay. up. Okay. Locked up is good. We like that. Okay. Okay. Well, we're gonna come in and check. Okay. We just want to make sure everybody's okay. Do you have a search warrant or anything? Or no. We while the nervous couple appeared confused, officers pushed their way past and eased into the large open home. Once inside, they were met with a scene that left them shocked and horrified. Every inch of the floor was buried under mounds of rotting food and decaying trash while the powerful stench of human waste hung in the humid air. Amidst these monstrous piles of garbage, there were strangely several dozen unopened packages containing children's toys and brand new children's clothing complete with tags. All right, well, like I said, sorry to bug you guys, but we just got this call. We, we All we do is we just check and make sure everybody's okay. And you got a call? Yeah, we got a call from, I'm not sure if it was the young girl that left or if it was a neighbor that saw her walking around the street. So we'll get to the bottom of it. As soon as we make sure everybody's okay, then we'll, decide, we'll, we'll figure out if maybe she was one of your kids that wandered away. How many kids do you have? 13. 13 total? Yeah. Woo! You guys are busy. As officers proceeded to the back of the house towards the children's bedrooms, they reached two small back rooms. Upon entering the first room, they found it empty with only two narrow wooden bunk beds. Finding nothing in there, they entered the second room, which was also cramped with two bunk beds and a filthy mattress resting on the floor. On top of the mattress sat two scared little girls. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, girls. Can I see your wrist? Yeah. Okay. Looking around, the officers figured out that this was a room featured in Jordan's pictures on her phone, but one crucial element was missing, the chains around her siblings' wrists. While the officers asked the frightened children questions, they received no answers, though eventually one of them stealthily pointed towards a sliding closet door. Meanwhile, Officer Ogden stayed by the door with David and Louise, asking them questions to maintain their distraction. Where are you guys headed, planning on moving to? Oklahoma. Oklahoma? That's a long way away. Yeah, yeah. You guys know family over there or anything no, like that? No, my, my job's moving. Oh, okay. What do you do for work? Oh, I'm, I'm an engineer. As he continued their small talk, he suddenly realized that David might have been standing awkwardly in that particular spot in the entryway in an attempt to hide something. An unnoticed third bedroom. Is this another bedroom back here? You got another couple kiddos asleep there? Yeah. Sarge. You got another room in the front right here with two kiddos in the bed. Upon entering the room, the officers encountered two additional wooden bunk beds with a boy chained by his wrists and ankles to the top bunk. Back in the girls' room, Officer Rodriguez slid open the closet door and discovered a stack of metal chains. 
At that moment, they quickly decided to detain Louise and David. Let's just uh, go ahead and detain the uh, yeah. parents at this yeah. point. Uh, Ma'am, why don't you step over here for a minute? Okay. Okay, with you. And sir, step over <laughs> here for a second. Yeah. Just step over with my partner here for a second. You got any weapons on you? No. Turn around real quick, I'm gonna check you out. Do me a favor, face that window over here. Yep. All right, sir, go ahead. Uh, I'm gonna have you turn over here. We're gonna walk outside, all right? Can I get my house shoes? Um, where's your, where's your shoes at? There. Louise, you know if they're in the... Well, we'll have to find them for, yeah, we'll for right now. Let's just walk out and we'll get bedroom, you something, all right? In the bedroom or the... All right, well, we, we, got, we got other stuff we're dealing with and we'll try to find you them, okay? The couple was handcuffed, escorted outside, and placed into police cars. You don't have any weapons on you. Nothing, uh, nothing hidden in the bra or anything. Okay, just making sure, because we have some people that do that. So we just okay. want to make sure. Like I said, I've never been in trouble. Okay. This is a first for me. And, okay. Well. Um, I don't understand. I'll explain everything as soon as we as soon as we make sure everybody's safe. Okay. Now <laughs> let me ask you. Yes. Quickly, are there keys to the little locks? There. Yes. Okay. Where are they? Um, my son and daughter can get them. Okay. That's so in the, house. the ones that are in the house, they know where they are. Yes. Okay. All right. Is that what this is about? Well, that's part of it. Yeah, definitely. We we need to make sure that the kids are safe and that they're okay. not tied up. I know so, that's understandable, but I can hey, explain this, that. This is mine, so go ahead and put her in that one. Back inside the house, officers initiated a frantic search to locate the key needed to free the chained child. Does it work on his? I know, I know. The other one, that's what I was saying. The other one is in there. It looks different than that, but it's the same size. It's in the drawer? It's in the drawer that I was in. <clears throat> With guidance from one of the other children, they found the key in a dresser, obscured by piled up garbage and filled with random items. Following the boy's release, all 13 children were immediately taken to the hospital to receive two months of treatment for severe heart damage, cognitive impairment, and nerve damage. Despite appearing 18, more than half were adults between 18 and 29. The 28-year-old weighed only 82 pounds, while the 12-year-old had an arm circumference comparable to that of a four-month-old baby. Investigators found that for years, the parents imprisoned, beat, and strangled their children, permitting them to eat only once a day and bathe only once a year. The children faced psychological torment related to food as their parents bought large items such as boxes of pizza, donuts, and pies, leaving them on display but forbidding the children to eat. As it turned out, the piles of unopened toys around the house were purchased for the very same reason. Investigators also found that none of the children received education and indeed they would only claim to know that of an average third grader. David Turpin had filed documents with the county claiming he was operating a school for children from his home, but this was proven to be entirely false. The most they did was inform the children about the grade they were supposed to be in in case a stranger asked them during one of their rare outings. It was also revealed that before moving to Paris, California in 2014, the Turpin family resided in Texas in a trailer home. Have you lived in other states? Um, yeah, Texas. Did they act like this when you lived in Texas? They acted, yeah, they acted different. They actually banned all the kids in a house and they left us there for like four years and then later they came back and picked us up. 
Their Texan neighbors recalled visiting their home to check on the abandoned dogs left behind from their sudden departure and were horrified by the disturbing scene. The dogs were found surviving off the feces and used diapers left amid the trash. There were also dead cats and piles of garbage everywhere. The doors and refrigerator all bore padlocks and the beds had ropes tied to them. This was where the Turpins had abandoned all but two of their youngest children for at least three years while they themselves lived in an apartment only coming by once a week to drop off a small amount of food. Jordan later said that she consumed only ketchup, mustard, and ice to survive. The eldest sister, Jennifer, revealed that she tried to escape while her family lived in Texas, but due to her lack of education and identification, she was ultimately forced to return home and faced immediate punishment. In the end, David and Louise Turpin were charged with 12 counts of torture, 12 counts of false imprisonment, 7 counts of abusing a dependent adult, and 6 counts of child abuse. Additionally, David received an extra charge for committing a lewd act on a child under 14. They were detained without bail being posted, with reported bail amounts set at $9 million for Louise and $12 million for David. Subsequently, David faced an additional perjury charge for falsely claiming his children received private school education. On February 22, 2019, the couple changed their not guilty pleas to guilty to one count of torture, three counts of willful child abuse, four counts of false imprisonment, and six counts of cruelty to an adult dependent. Both were sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 25 years. Despite neither parent being willing nor able to offer a single valid explanation for their mistreatment of their children, Louise later wrote an apology letter from her jail cell and David conveyed his sorrows in a statement to the court. When it was time for the children to provide statements, 21-year-old Joy Turpin defended her parents, while the eldest child, Jennifer, provided a statement that appeared more aligned with the accounts given by the other children who spoke to the press but refrained from giving statements in court. My parents took my whole life from me, but now I'm taking my life back. I'm in college now and living independently. I love hanging out with my friends and life is great. I believe everything happens for a reason. Life may have been bad, but it made me strong. I fought to become the person I am. I saw my dad change my mom. They almost changed me, but I realized what was happening. I immediately did what I could to not become like that. I'm a fighter, I'm strong, and I'm shooting through life like a rocket. After their parents' arrest, the Turpin siblings were divided into two groups. The adults were placed into supportive care while the underage children were assigned to foster homes. In October 2019, five of the younger children found themselves in a foster home with Marceleno Alguin, 64, his wife Rosa, 59, and their daughter Lenny's, 38. Despite expectations for a happier chapter in their lives, the Turpins expressed that their experience in this foster home was even worse than what they had endured at the hands of their own parents. 
Allegations against the Algwins included hitting the children in the face with sandals, pulling their hair, hitting them with a belt, striking their heads, being forced to eat excessively and then forced to eat their own vomit, and experiencing verbal abuse during which they were told to commit suicide because they were unlovable. Marceleno was also accused of touching the girls inappropriately and kissing them on the mouth. In March 2021, Marceleno Alguin faced 13 charges, including three for lewd acts with a child under 14, four for lewd acts with a child aged 14 and 15, and several for willful child cruelty. Law enforcement alleged that Rosa and Lenny's aided him and faced charges of intentional child cruelty, witness intimidation, and fraud. All three pleaded not guilty, and Marceleno was freed on a $200,000 bond, while the two women are each on a $50,000 bond. In July 2022, the Turpin siblings filed lawsuits against Riverside County and Childnet Youth and Family Services, the foster care agency that placed them in a home where they experienced further abuse and neglect. The complaint stated that the foster family had a known history of child abuse and the organizations were aware of it. However, they failed to take action even when the children sought assistance. As of today, the lawsuit is still ongoing. While Jordan remains close with her 12 siblings, her fighting spirit has continued to flourish as she discovers newfound independence. Over the last few years, she amassed 1.3 million followers and 8.8 million likes on her joyful TikTok account, where she shares beauty tips and viral dance clips. She has goals of being a motivational speaker and writing a book, but her biggest dream, she says, is that someone watching is finding strength through her story. I was really lost before and I didn't really know who I was. I didn't even know what the world was. I think I've come a long way and I've grown a lot. I'm definitely grown a lot into my own person. Whatever I can do to like inspire people and let people know they're not alone. I know that this happened to me for a reason and I know that I can make a big difference in the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate the show, and follow me on Instagram at Exhibit May Podcast.